as Bell Park Kitchen Towel. It cleans in one wipe. You can soak, squeeze, and clean again. One Bell Park Kitchen Towel lasts longer and saves you money. It's time you switch to Bell Park today and experience the perfect paper tissue. Saiye pocket tissue, table napkins, tea roll, and a kitchen towel. Bell Park is simply the best. Bell Park is just perfect. To be a Bell Pack distributor, call 055 Another quality product from Bell Aqua. Wouldn't you prefer an apartment hotel? One that offers the utmost convenience of a boutique hotel while offering the idyllic comfort of your own private home. Oasis Park Residences offers luxury studios, one, two, and three bedrooms, both for short and long-term rental at competitive rates. A sky swimming pool, gourmet outdoor restaurant, and a fully equipped gym rest on a breathtaking rooftop with panoramic views of the city. Oasis Park Residences, located at Shiashi Tetekwashi, 10 minutes from the International Airport, is the ideal place for all your accommodation needs. Why don't you give us a call on 020-4343-009 or visit our website at oasisparkresidences.com to make your reservations. Oasis Park Residences, more than a home. Welcome to News Night Live on Joy 99.7 FM here in Accra and Kumasi. We are on Love 99.5 FM. We're on Facebook, myjoyonline.com. Coming up. On News Night tonight, we hear more from former uh, Environment Minister Frimpong Bating, who has been speaking about what he told Cabinet just before he left office, including details of several other reports presented to his colleagues and to the Council of State calling for action against government officials he accuses of involvement in Galamsey. People should not think that this is the only report that we wrote. On many occasions, I made a presentation in cabinet meeting. On two or three occasions, I made presentations at cabinet retreats. On two occasions, I made a Council of State and said similar things. So is Frimpon Watting still on cordial terms with President Akufuado? Nobody is the president's friend. I mean, he's supposed to do his work. I don't think anybody can claim that he's a friend to the president. No. Also, tonight, Supreme Court's order to expunge the name of James Jachikwesen from its records stirs another confusion in Parliament today. We'll tell you how Speaker flip-flops on the directive. Uh, I will advise and direct the table office to still allow the name to appear until we finally decide on how to expunge. Consequently, I have to review my order. Yachi Kwesin should, as from yesterday, not be captured in the votes and proceedings. We have details as MPs haggle out the Supreme Court's order and what it really meant and how to implement it. It's not my understanding that everything else that he has participated in doing in this house should be null and void. To expunge from the records of Parliament his name and anything associated with him. We're live in Asin North and also Electoral Commission cautions opposition NDC to desist from what it says are unjustifiable attacks on its integrity. Most often than not, when a party is in opposition, the Electoral Commission becomes the whipping boy. Any small issues, they will whip the Electoral Commission without any grounds. 
Also, Communications Minister hints at plans to regulate artificial intelligence, AI, in Ghana. They are scared at the potential damage that it can cause if it is not properly regulated. And so once this tournament... And also, Ghana Education Service backtracks on plans to introduce tag of war and pillow fights in basic and second cycle schools after public backlash. We have details of that. We have NSMQ. And we get to hear the warning from students of Atrencia SHS to Adisado College, who just joined two other schools in the Ahafu region to qualify for the national level. We are coming this time around and we are not coming to joke over there. We are coming to abuse them in charge. We are coming for a revenge. We have that and more in tonight's edition of Newsnight. Please do well to join us with your comments as via WhatsApp 55 Also on our social media platforms, you can leave your comments there with the hashtag Newsnight. I am MFA Apau. And my name is Evans Mensah. We start uh, with that uh, developing story over the Inter-Ministerial Committee Against Illegal Mining. That defunct body, now senior figures uh, who herded that body, are currently a subject of intense scrutiny by the special prosecutor. Um, tonight, we have confirmed that the former secretary of that committee, Charles Bissu, is now a wanted man. The special prosecutor has secured a court order to arrest him. Uh, in the last few minutes, lawyer for Charles Bissu has confirmed to top story that Charles Bissu will not be turning himself in. He has accused the special prosecutor of abusing his authority. Uh, more on that pretty shortly. But it was just yesterday that details emerged about the arrest of Mr. Bissu's former boss, um, former environment minister and chairman of that same interministerial committee, Professor Frimpong Boating. Well, tonight, Professor Boating is revealing details of several other reports he presented to cabinet and to the Council of State calling for action against government officials he accuses of involvement in Galamse. Here's Professor Frimpong Boateng in that exclusive interview with Joy News. Let me ask you, when did you become aware of these challenges and involvement of some of your own colleagues allegedly in the Legal Mining Act? And why did you only tackle it the way you did after you've exited? I had not hesitated. It was... No. See, the thing is, at every point, you know, people should not think that this is the only report that we wrote. On many occasions, I made a presentation in cabinet meeting. On two or three occasions, I made presentations at cabinet retreats. On two occasions, I made a council of state and said similar things. Mention names? Yes. You mentioned names in cabinet too? Yes. Listen, and then after the elections, uh, I heard that the committee had been dissolved. So I wrote a letter to the chief of staff in February, I think on the 5th of February, that I've heard that the committee has been dissolved. So I, I want to hand over the things to her office and so on. And so one of the said, yeah, yeah, you know. So, and then some time later, end of February or so, she, she made reference to the letter that I wrote initially and said, oh, uh, oh, I should write a report on the activities of the IMCIM and also suggest a way forward for the president 
consideration in the fight against illegal mining. That is why I wrote this particular report. Mm. But that was not the only report that I wrote. Several of them in the course uh, of the period. So uh, people should not think. I mean, this is... I've, so this I've, is the first report that had come to light. Is that what you're suggesting? Yes, yes. But you've, you've, you've alerted the authorities, even your colleagues in cabinet, to this and yes, mentioned yes, them yes, to yes, them. Yes. And what happened when you did this? Was there a reaction? Was there an, an attempt to fix the problem and address the people who were involved? Where, you know, for example, when the issue of invasion of the Forest Reserve uh, came up, there was a cabinet directive that there should be no mining in Forest Reserve, but it still went on. It still went on. But some of the big companies that are, are, uh, are still there, you know, they are still there right now in the forest. Mm. And people should not assume that they they are not there. There are people in the forest reserves mining and destroying the, the people on the water bodies. There are people doing illegal things. Yeah. He also dismissed claims by the CEO of the Minerals Commission that he served the powers of the commission and issued mining licenses. He admits he issued the permits, but says they did so because the commission failed to deal with the Galamse problem. How can we give? Did you ever give authority? Yes, to any the, the committee had the had the uh, power to do that because I was. It wasn't me. See, the committee was made up of representatives from uh, Minas Commission, EPA, Water Resources Commission, Forestry Commission, uh, Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources, Ministry of uh, uh, Water and Natural Water Resources. Uh, Minister of Interior, Defense, uh, 10 ministries. So we formed the committee and we were supposed to regularize the small scale mining. So at some point, when we're taking the miners through all the process, they are vetted and they are given the permission or the license to go and mine sustainably. So that's what the committee did. And so if the Minas Commission chair is saying that, then uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But the Minas Commission is the sole legislative body no, with the power if, to if, give licenses. If they could do the Awakua, we would not have, the, the committee has not been, would not have been created. So the Minas Commission was part of the committee. So if they say uh, that we didn't have the power, then he doesn't have the power to do that. It wasn't me. It was a committee. But that's an ad hoc committee. It's an interministerial committee. Yes. So we were supposed to do that, regularize things, and then back off. But not the... to give licenses for people no, to no, do that. No, Licenses is... What kind of licenses? See, per permit, so that you could mine sustainably. But the Minas Commission chair makes a point that legally, that is not... That wasn't part of your mandate. Well, your money was to check illegal mining. And this, legally, by law, was to permit and license. I don't want to go into that. I mean, just you know, playing with words because I didn't create the thing. It's only from Bob who was issuing the thing. Uh, we, we didn't issue mining license or EPA license and so on. So this was done by, that is why we created the software. You know, he, it's because the Minas Commission failed. The, uh, the inspector division failed completely. It wasn't working. Because they were to ensure safety at the mine site. So why were people mining and destroying the environment? Because it wasn't working. 
Well, as the CEO of the Minerals Commission, uh, Mr. AEC, has been fighting back. That's Martin AEC. In the sharp response, he insisted that Frimpom Wating was stampeding their work and they had to step in to stop him from doing so. We have laws in this country. So should we get up and create vigilante groups simply because, let's say, in a particular area or suburb of Accra, people have been reporting crime and, let's say, they are not getting the needed response from the police or... Crime is happening almost practically every day, so people should wake up and you know, turn themselves into vigilante groups and say, because people are stealing here or people are being murdered day in, day out, so the police has failed, so we will now become some kind of a gang or a, a group to stop crime. No, we have laws in this country, okay? Uh, at least then it's an admission that he was overstepping his bounds, but I don't think uh, that should be a reason, okay? Or is it a case that if, let's say, a particular institution is not working properly, somebody should just get up and, uh, you know, say, look, we're going to fix it just like that. It doesn't work that way. I mean, the laws are clear as to who does what. So if there is anything at all, resources to be channeled into supporting that institution to be able to do its work effectively and efficiently. Now I'm saying those resources have been provided. Okay, and things are okay. Things are moving on very well. We might not solve all the problems overnight, but at least... Uh, as I said, speak to the small scale miners, they'll tell you that uh, these days, within a very short time, they process their small scale licensing. The processing, you know, regime has 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 improved significantly. Government is also assisting them with mercury-free machine, so that they can stop the use of mercury. So a lot, a lot is happening. He says that institutions like the minerals commissions were part, and you cannot yank yourself from the failures. Uh, it feels that he wasn't feel. I mean, treated fairly and an institution like yours can also be held responsible uh, Sami, I don't believe in blame game I, I'm more interested in how to fix the problem let me tell you this maybe at another time we will have a discussion as to the causes of illegal mining you realize that if you really get to understand what causes or what is responsible for this illegal mining thing, you, you will not be saying what you're saying. Yes, there were some weaknesses here and there. I'll, I'll admit it. Yes. Why not? For instance, uh, all of a sudden, when Somoski mining started 34 years ago, it was just in number four or five regions. Now we're talking about 12, 13 regions. And over the period, uh, we were not everywhere. Okay, so that affected how often you have to go to the site and then carry out inspections. Now, Minas Commission is now having offices everywhere where at least mining takes place or potentially when we see semblance of mining activities picking up, we create an office. Either we build one or we rent one. So things have improved. But if I sit and tell you that everything was perfect, I'm deceiving you. And let's bring in a former uh, chief executive of the Minerals Commission, uh, Dr. Tony Obing. is a founder and president of the African Institute of Extractive Industry and joins us on the telephone line right now. And, and Doc, you were there before. So where do you stand on this controversy over whether or not the committee uh, usurped the powers of the commission? Um, Bating admits, yes, we issued permits. The current CEO says there's no way they could do that. Um, and Fripombat explained they did that because the, the commission had failed in its mandate to stop the legal mining menace. And because they had the commission as part of that ad hoc committee and all the ministers were also there, they felt they had the power to do so. Okay, so 
so, so good evening to you and, and, and good evening to your listeners. Um, I think that I was privileged to be there for, 18, for eight months um, when the, the project was launched. I personally had issues with the interministerial committee. I thought the Minerals Commission was competent enough to be able to uh, handle the challenges if uh, it was supported properly. Uh, and they had all the uh, policy ideas to try and address the challenge. Unfortunately, because of lack of full or better understanding of the causes of illegal mining, uh, I'm sure it was seen to be better solved politically. And I think the result is what we see. Um, long before I became uh, uh, involved with the uh, Minerals Commission, I'd already said that political entanglement is a huge challenge. So if the Minerals Commission was giving the resource as as, 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 it, as was required, and then was given the freedom to operate as the Constitution emphasized, I am sure they could have done much, much, much better job than having an internal committee that by itself would have even internal rubbles and all that. I understand that there were even issues, and, and that's a good thing to uh, uh, fully substantiate that, but it was natural to expect that there would be a conflict between the Minister of Mines who was then not the chairman, and then a minister of environment was supposed to be mad. I mean, that committee is defunct now, but Galamse is still raging on in our forests and our water bodies. The Minerals Commission is still there with all the authorities still in place. And if you listen to the current CEO, he admits that, yes, they've had challenges. Isn't it obvious on the face of the evidence that the Minerals Commission can really address this matter? If a whole interministerial committee can do it, or how can a commission deal with it? Well, I, I, I really think that we should go to the root of the cause of illegal mining. And we have long proposed some solutions, which I don't know why they haven't been taken on quite seriously. Um, if, if you look at the causes, I have said before that the, the, if you look at the, the law that establishes or that allows uh, small-scale mining to take place, it only says that you can, you, you must be, I think, 21 years and above, you must, or 18 years and above, you must be a Ghanaian, and then you must have your, your license uh, approved by, by, by the commission, just to put it in a, in a paraphrase form. Now, uh, this, this anticipated artisanal mining, small-scale artisanal mining, not the kind of, the scale of small-scale mining that we see. So obviously there is a problem with the policies that anticipated the use of shovels and pickaxes, and now the use of uh, 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 excavators and trommels and all that. So that is one. Two, you can also see that it is only small, it is only mining that you have large scale and small scale. So there's no intermediate, intermediate scale. There's no uh, uh, no SME. No, no, normally we say SME. Now for mining, there's no SME. It's small scale and light scale, and the 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 the, the, the scales have changed. So we we were supposed to to change from the the ideas that came up in '59 when this law was made, you know. And then of course we haven't applied ourselves to the use of. Uh, of 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 technology, mm, and, and indeed that issue about technology is one that has featured very strongly 
in our attempt to try and deal with the problem. Uh, Dr. Tony Obing, thank you very much for joining us and sharing your thoughts on this matter. Uh, and MFR Pau, you know, yesterday when we, we spoke to Professor Frimpong Barting, the issue about his own personal relationship with the president emerged. And I asked him, I mean, what has been that relationship, how he defined that relationship uh, since he left office? This was his answer. Plus, also added that there have been calls on him from the party to just keep quiet. If I've committed some error, fine, I admit it. But not when people are pursuing their greed and you point it out and, they, and you are demonized. That annoys me sometimes. And I think I will not allow myself to be intimidated by anybody. You feel they are deliberating to try and intimidate you? Of course, I think so. And what's uh, some of the elements that make, you, make you convinced that that's what's happening? That. You know, I, because if you mention it, I don't know how people process information, but I know how I process my information. And I, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to somebody, I can go into that person's mind and see how the person is thinking. But why are they intimidating? You're no longer a minister. You are a private citizen now. So why, why would they intimidate you? I don't know. Is it to shut Be, because, you up? Pardon me? Is it to shut you up? But I'm not talking. You know, I don't like talking. I don't like talking. You know, they say, oh, keep quiet. I'm keeping quiet. And they ask you to keep quiet? Yes. People say, the party people say, oh, what's party? You know, they say, that kind of thing. You know, I'm, I'm quiet. But every day, report watching, uh, my sticking to court, this, people are saying that, you know, on radio, saying all those of things, you know. But I, I keep quiet because I have a lot of respect for authority, you know. The, the president knows that. Is he your friend? But um, the nobody is the president's friend. I mean, he's supposed to do his work. I don't think anybody can claim that he's a friend to the president. No. If we do that, you 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 be wrong. Uh, so how would you describe your relationship with him? Cordial and uh, what, how do you put it? Businesslike, you know, businesslike. And he knows me very well. Is it so cordial? That uh, relationship? No, I don't meet him. I mean, I'm, I'm out. So I mean, you see, we have to understand what politics is. The president calls you to be a minister. We have to know that he can also dismiss you at any time, and therefore you go with that mind that any time you can be, you know. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not the person who will fight for a position. You know, I've, I've got a lot of things to do myself, even right now. Too many things to do for this country. Mm. And these things are not distracting me from doing what I want to do for Ghana. Mm. And I'll continue to do that until my last breath. That's uh, Professor Kwabna from Pombwating in that interview with Evans Mensah available on all our social media platforms on YouTube, on Facebook. You can watch that for yourself. But in the last hour or so we've been talking about this Office of the Special Prosecutor securing that court order to arrest Charles Bissu, who was also the secretary to the same interministerial committee that um, Professor Kwabna from Pombwating headed. But we've been speaking to his lawyer, Nana Ejei Bafwewa, on whether Charles Bissu will turn himself in or not. You can listen to the interaction with Evans on Top Story. I've heard of it, but um, your publication has also given me an indication, you know, has also informed me or, you know, basically an information. I'm yet to receive proper confirmation because I've not seen it. 
And so, therefore, I'm still giving the special prosecutor the benefit of the doubt because I don't believe he would do that, right? I don't believe he would, you know, um, disregard proper discretion, right? That three pending suits against the office of the special prosecutor. Bishu responded, and I heard Joseph Akable read it on your network not long ago, responded by saying that, look, give me time. I will come, I, I intend coming to see you at a particular date. Now I have a domestic emergency to attend to. Charles you also said that, look, what has able to allow him, that you are only able to allow him about a question that you fail to make available to him. And you proceed to say that. And so, is it proper discretion? Is, you rather wrote to him that you thought it prudent to invite him, right? Couldn't you have waited for that one week? Then whatever necessitated that invitation, he says, produce that documentation to me. Why do you want to hold that documentation to your chest? Why? You see, my brother, we have transitioned from pre-1992 to 1992, uh, to, to post-1992, right? Governed by the 1992 Constitution of the Republic of Ghana. The, the tactics and the acts, right, which made us say no to the pre-1992 days, the military government, cannot become pervasive simply because of the office of the special prosecutor. In any event, the power that the office of the special prosecutor exercises in our jurisdiction, right, is the of the powers of the attorney general. Even the attorney general will not behave that way. Even the attorney general, the powers of the office of the special prosecutor, I emphasize, is a chip from the powers of the attorney general. Even the attorney general will not behave the way the office of the special prosecutor is behaving, right? And so, my brother, we did not transition from military rule into democratic rule for the office of the special prosecutor become a pseudo-democrat, a pseudo-military agency to witch hunt and harass people. We need to respect the fundamental human rights of people under the 1992 constitution. Let me ask you, um, as we speak tonight, your client is a wanted man. Will he turn himself in? No, he's not going to turn himself in. So that's uh, Nana Ejay Bafwewa is the lawyer to Charles Bissu, uh, who we are told that the Office of the Special Prosecutor has secured a court order to arrest him. Now let's do some other stories here on Newsnight and Supreme Court order to Parliament to expunge the name of James Jachikwesen from its records today instead of under confusion in Parliament. Speaker Alban Bagbing had to beat a retreat after an earlier order for Parliament to maintain the name of James Jachikwesen in its record. Well, the Speaker, before beating that retreat stated that the apex court order is not clear enough and parliament as a whole must take a decision on it let's bring in the parliamentary affairs correspondent kweku asante on this so kweku let's talk about how the matter even came up on the floor so for a while they were reviewing the votes and proceedings what is called the votes and proceedings is the green booklet that records the previous day's proceedings someone who noticed that james jatikwazin whose name appeared the previous day, all of a sudden did not appear on it. So he raised concerns that the speaker had initially said that it would be difficult to implement the ruling and wanted to seek some guidance on it. And so he wanted to know why the name was suddenly out. It was then that all that ensued in Parliament this morning followed. Well, then there was this haggling between the NDC and NPP MPs on the true meaning of the Apex Court order. How did it go down? So 
So we first heard from Mahama Yariga, who said that his understanding of the Supreme Court's order to Parliament was simply to expunge the name of the MP from their records. And that simply meant that the name of the MP as of the time and the future when the order was made. And then we also heard from NPP MP for Asante Achimnos and the Apia Kubi, whose opinion was that the order was much more comprehensive and goes back to even some of the things that Jatikwisi may have said on the floor of the House. The speaker, I don't know if I did not read the directive of the Supreme Court properly. The Supreme Court is asking for the name of a particular person to be expunged from the records as a member of parliament. It is not my understanding that everything else that he has participated in doing in this house uh, should be null and void. To expunge from the records of parliament his name and anything associated with him. That presupposes that uh, parliament should consider him not having been here at all. And Mr. Speaker, I say this with reference to Article 2, 3 of our Constitution that says that the orders of the Supreme Court pursuant to such an application ought to be followed rigidly. Indeed, it goes on uh, Article 2, 4 to prescribe punishment for refusal to obey the orders of the court. Well, so Kweku, then the Speaker's initial directive came. Let's talk about it. Um, Speaker of Parliament, Urban Bagbin, before Parliament would take any decision on how to comply with that order of the House, the name should remain on their vote and proceedings. Honorable Ablakwa has a case. Until we finally decide, the second part of what we are expected to do, the first part was the vacancy that has been created. That there is no controversy over. And the law as to who should communicate to the uh, EC is also clear, is the clerk. The service is to the parliament and is served through the highest office holder in parliament, the speaker. And so the speaker communicates to the clerk, please, this is what has happened. There is no doubt about the fact that a vacancy has been created. So, Kweku, then the speaker had cause to change his mind almost immediately. Yes, the deputy clerk, um, Mr. Humajitra, actually walked from where he was sitting and went to the speaker to tell him that you cannot maintain the name of James Kweisin on the role of MPs when you have communicated to the EC that it should be a by-election due to a vacancy that occurred. It was then that the speaker of parliament had to say that he was withdrawing the, other, the earlier directive and was now directing that the name should be taken out. And so it can no longer appear in the votes and proceedings are still existing. There is no uh, member now for Asin North constituency. And so that cannot be captured in the votes and proceedings. And I think he's right. I think he's right. The challenge that we have the challenge that we have is what to do with the rest of the name in the other records. And so those of you saying prospective, you know, when you are talking about prospective, 
there's nothing to delete or expunge because it doesn't exist at all. When you are talking about perspective, you only expunge something that is on record. And so I want to be guided on that because there are consequences. There's an effect and we have to look at it together. Consequently, I have to review my order. Yachi question should, as from yesterday, not be captured in the votes and proceedings of the House. It appears the name James Jachikwesing has been uh, mentioned uh, so many times, I'm sure we can count, but it takes us to Asin North at this point. It's just right to check on the situation in Asin North ahead of that June 27 by-election and your election headquarters at pitch come there. We have, and indeed. <laughs> Guess who is leading us there? Richard Kodunyaku. He knows Asin North like the back of his mm-hmm. palm, like the uh, food he eats in the morning. He lives a breeze and sleeps it. And so he's there for us and with less than the three weeks to the crucial in North constituency by elections, it has been busy with F-moving machines mm-hmm. down in the community making sure the roads are tired and etc. Things are done ahead of this. Rita Kudunyako, I'm on the ground, tells us the whole story. F-moving equipment harming their way throughout the constituency. Town roads in the Asan North constituency are receiving attention. The attention some of these projects never got months and years back. Here at Asimbreku, some electricity poles have to make way for the road construction. In their place, new ones are being fixed by the ECG for expansion of the road network. A beautifully constructed astrotech here at Asimbreku stands at residence as it awaits commissioning. It's a cocktail of reaction from residents. Um, if you look at the, the emergence of this development that is going on right now, you cannot see anything but to attribute it to the by-election. I've lived in this constituency, specifically as in Brooklyn here, where you, have been, you, are, you are seeing this uh, development going on. And in 2020, or prior to the 2020 election, uh, we had this same, I mean, contractor, come on sites with his machines and just after the 2020 election when the then MP Honorable Abnadura Mensa who was on the ticket of the MPP lost the election we never saw these machines again so you cannot tell me that it is it is not for this by-election that these machines has come back to site. And if you can see the excavators, they have been there from 2020. And then if you go to the AstroTep, it started last year. If you go to the one district, one factory, the same thing last year. And if you see the pace of work in some of them, some of the contractors have money. So their work almost goes quickly. DC for the area says these projects are old projects that stalled. And it took him several trips to Accra to get a certificate of the contractors finalized. My name is Charles Ohini Ando, DC Asenod. After the election, the contractor left because he has raised some certificate which hadn't been earned. And then later he came back. So we have about six of our roofs which we started way back in 2020. And I can mention them. And they, they, they are living testimony to this one. Because over here, I did a shortcutting here together with the former MP, Honorable Abana. Yes, this is about 11 kilometers. That's from Breku Town Roads to Ninchiso. So you can see the drains and then the, the COVID. You can see that this thing didn't start just last uh, two or three weeks that this place, the seat was declared vacant. That is stalled? Yes, they stalled you know, because of payment issue, yes. He's of the firm belief 
that the constituents deserve what they are getting because it development all of them are yearning for. So I'm so surprised that people are saying that because of by-election that we are seeing all this development going on. on I guess get worried. Because but, 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 but you also express surprise that, well, there is some kind of energy that has been exerted. Yeah, it's, it's a fact. It's a fact. And you know, it comes it's with not, it's development. Because if I tell you the number of times that I've traveled to Accra for this project, you'll be surprised. And you ask yourself, why is it that I still know we have most of these uh, uh, roofs having contractors on site? And then you'll be surprised that, yes, it has been lobbying. You understand? So you stay in surprise, yes. But then it's, it comes with it. And the speed of work, yes, I'm happy now it is going at, the, at this speed. And I'm happy. I have been tracking the nearly 120 project government claims it's tackled in the constituency. I've seen a beautifully constructed AstroTurf, an Agenda 11 project, a 32-kilometer road network, and others that are at various stages of completion. The next two weeks here in Asen North constituency looks pregnant with many activities as the campaigns of the two dominant political parties in the upcoming by-election scheduled for the 27th of June heat up. Richard Kujenyakon, Joy News, Asen Breku. You know, Asen North has become a tourist destination. Yeah, we uh, have you, to. You need to catch it before the by-election. Yeah, because after, so things may change. Exactly. Visit Asin North. Visit Asin North. Yeah. Hashtag visit Asin. I mean, George, you come with us? Of course. Yeah, look at the, the, the business impact and how yeah, the attention and how it's yeah. impacting on businesses in that yeah, community. I think it would be very, very, very interesting, you know, and <laughs> how money is exchanging hands also in that community. What will be the impact hey. on that? I mean, not yeah. Asin, like people buying and selling. Ah. <laughs> you, you understand me? And how that is going to impact on the, the local economy and all the rest. Okay. So okay. I think I think because don't forget all these MPs who are going to descend there. They need the hotels to sleep. Mm. They will buy food and all the rest. And it could be a cash season uh, for these hotels. So yeah. the, the exchange of money is going to happen. Yeah, hmm. you're right. <laughs> okay, well, coming up in business, Bank of Ghana increases dollar support to deal with the recent pressure on the Ghana city. Revenue Authority arrest more business owners who were failure to issue VAT invoices. The business news on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business, Alliance Life and Ghana Pay. Isn't life wonderful when everything worth doing is scheduled? Hitting the stop button on your alarm just in time for your morning jog. That happy moment listening to your baby's heartbeat at the doctor's office. Or an arranged virtual meeting with that big client. Buy airtime ahead of time with scheduled airtime service on MTN Momo. You can schedule your airtime purchase of any amount daily, weekly or monthly by dialing star 170 hash option 3 and follow the process. Or simply dial star 170 star 311 hash for a superb airtime purchase experience. You enjoy 100% bonus airtime anytime you recharge yourself with MTN Momo. Keep on talking with that 100% feeling. So, what what are we doing today? MTN. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. 
and my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 40 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Community 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase KNUST Campus, UCC Cape Coast, and now at the Marina Mall, Airport City. Or call us 0302 764101, 764209, or ndiasambisandamu yeah, yeah. Pepsodent Heba and a Pepsodent Taco. I've been here. You're going to natural. FDI, you're going to be here. She, wahala no get breaks, oh. Ah, what is it? Some customers have left. Their mobile money payment didn't come. What? Avoid such payment issues with BluePay. BluePay lets you easily receive payments on your mobile device with no e-levy charges. Simply enter your customer's number and the amount to be paid on your BluePay app. The customer will receive the BluePay prompt to confirm with their PIN instantly. Customers can also pay with bank cards using the BluePay POS device. Call or WhatsApp 054-7220-200 or visit bluepay.com.gh to register and get BluePay for your business today. BluePay, never miss a sale. The Green Ghana Day Initiative has been very successful since its inception in 2021. On behalf of the President of the Republic, His Excellency Nana Adedan Kwakufuadu, and the Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources, I want to thank all of you for your continued support over the years. This year, on Friday, June 9, 2023, the Green Ghana Day, we have another opportunity to contribute to the restoration of our lost forest cover. I want to entreat each and every one of you to take part in this national tree planting exercise. This year, our target is 10 million trees. The Forestry Commission will make seedlings available at their district offices and other designated places. Grab a seedling, plant it, and nurture it to maturity. Their survival and protection lie in our hands. So does ours. Green Ghana, let's go plant it. Welcome back to Business on Newsnight. Now, Bank of Ghana has been increasing dollar support for the market to deal with the recent pressure on the Ghana city. This is what Joy Business has picked up from some treasurers with the commercial banks. There is more in this report. The Ghana city has come under pressure over the past one week. This is due to pick up in dollar demand during that period by some businesses in the country. There has not been any official reason for the city's recent challenges. However, some market analysts say it is due to the level of recovery by Ghana City after the country secured the IMF program, which was below expectation. The development foiled a lot of demand by businesses, with some warning that depreciation could set in again. Well, checks by Joy Business with some of the bank treasuries indicate that 
The Bank of Ghana has been heavy on the market over the past three days with dollar support. Joy Business understands that since Tuesday, the Bank of Ghana has been on the market with some $7 million a day. It is believed that some of these interventions have gone a long way to help with the Ghana city stability over the past two days. But the question on the minds of a lot of market watchers is that, is this stability sustainable? That is a business tax report. Now, owners of three hotels are the latest to be arrested by the Ghana Revenue Authority over failure to issue VAT invoices for services rendered. These owners were among six businesses that were arrested by the Enforcement and Tax Compliance Team of the Ghana Revenue Authority. Across Central Enforcement Manager of the Authority, Joseph Anand, says corporates will actually be charged. What we did was to intercept vehicles from these quarries and check their documentation, whether they have the appropriate documents covering the product, which are the stones. Unfortunately, many of them didn't have that. This exercise was done some three weeks ago, and today we've decided to arrest them for... So as it is now, we have picked up employees of these companies. Uh, the CID will conduct their investigation, and then we also do our preemptive. We recommend them for full audit. But once the investigation is done, then the CID will refer the case to our legal unit for possible prosecution. Central Enforcement Manager of the Ghana Revenue Authority, Joseph Annan. Now, Chamber of Petroleum Consumers has described the exit from the Gold for Oil program by some players as worrying. It's coming out of the Chamber of Bulk Oil Distributors revealed that some of their members have stopped buying the products sold under the program. This is due to supply and how the program has been structured. Executive Secretary of the Chamber, Duncan Amwa, noted the situation raises a lot of questions about the sustainability of the program. Whereas most of the BDCs or the markets has been operating with a certain credit uh, system, I can talk of some of the BDCs having a 91-day and sometimes 120-day credit from their suppliers. Now we income uh, gold for oil that says, okay, you load, you pay. What then happens with the major oil traders is that, yes, if the market has money, pay for gold for oil cash, and you are in their position, why would you want to continue doing credit for 120 days? You are getting to a point where the oil traders are insisting on, you also pay them cash. If you can pay both cash to live gold for oil consignment, you would then also have to now come back the traders who are supplying over 80% of the market current uh, to also pay them cash. Those are the challenges that I probably envisage would make some of the BDCs want to uh, opt out completely. Executive Secretary of the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers, Duncan Amwa. There would be dividend payment for shareholders of Ecobank over the institution's performance for last year. This was after the bank posted loss of 27.2 million Ghana cities for 2022. The bank says it's due to its net impairment charges of 1.7 billion arising from the debt restructuring program by government. Managing Director Dan Saki reminded confident of actually going forward to ensure that things will be positive this year. He spoke to Joy Business at the 35th annual general meeting of the bank today. 
We believe that the future of banking is digital. We believe that we'll continue to serve more of our clients via the digital channels. And our expectation is that we'll start reaping the benefits from the investment in digitalization. And that should contribute towards, one, lower cost to serve, and to a better customer experience for the bank. We'd also like to use this opportunity to uh, educate our clients, inform them, sensitize them on the need to keep personal information. Dan Saki is the managing director of EcoBank Ghana, talking about things improving strongly this year in terms of their financials. And even as one critical question is, how would this IMF program that we've signed on to impact businesses in Ghana today? Indeed, good conversation to have as yeah. we begin to understand the implications of this IMF program for various sectors of the economy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and on uh, our front, um, Raymond is looking, at, is looking on at on the poor, the vulnerable in society. Exactly. But we on PM Express will be engaging businesses. We look at uh, engage Mark Bedua Boaji, his chief executive of the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry, Sechuma Kabwa, is CEO of the Association of Ghana Industries. Joe Jackson is director of business operations at Dalek Finance and Dr. Patrick Kofori, he's CEO of the Ghana Chamber of Bulk or Distribution Companies. As we assess the impact of this program on businesses at 9 p.m. on Joy News Channel on Multi TV. Fantastic. Thank you very much, George. And guess who is here? No, you I'm didn't so go sorry. there. I'm so I sorry. I thought we were good friends. Oh, but we are still good friends. <laughs> yes, I've outgrown the name. Times have, you see, there's no point explaining for, this. For we've those gone of past us who are it. listening for the first no, time. No, we'll, we'll tell you after. We've, we've, we've gone past it. Now is now is time for sports, isn't it? Ghana is attempting to end a 20-year wait. Uh, to be at the Olympic Games in the football tournament. The last time the Black Meteors were there was back in 2004. And now they are putting all their arsenal in front in trying to end that particular drought. Kamadi Suleimana and Enes Norma, they've headlined Ibrahim Tanko's Black Meteors 29-man professional squad for a pre-tournament camping in Egypt. That uh, squad will be trimmed uh, down to 23 before the final uh, 23-man squad is named. There's more. In this report, the team is made up of 15 home-based players and 14 foreign-based players. The squad is expected to be pruned to 21 for the tournament to be held in Morocco later this month. Sporting CPs Abdul Fatawi Sahaku, FC Zurich Daniel Afriye Banye, and Salim Adams of FC Cincinnati, who were instrumental in the qualifiers, have also been named in the squad. Hamburg's Ransford Yabua, Conis Dorfa, Barcel's Emmanuel Esiam and Kojo Opoku of Los Angeles FC are also in the squad. The team will leave Accra on Monday, June 12th for Cairo, Egypt, where they will camp for two weeks and engage in a series of friendlies before the competition. The Black Meteors have been training at the Ghanaman Soccer Center of Excellence in Pram Pram ahead of the trip to Egypt. Last month's group stage draw picked Ghana in Group A alongside host nation Morocco, Guinea and Congo. The tournament is scheduled to start on June 24, 2023 and end on July 8 with the top three teams earning automatic qualification for the 2024 Olympics. Ghana opens its campaign on June 25 against Congo. 
Yep, so it's all to play for uh, as far as the black meteors are concerned. And Ibrahim Tenko is leaving uh, no stone unturned. The team will fly out on Monday for a pre-tournament camp in Egypt. The tournament itself, as you heard, will start on June 24. And that's all the sports this evening. Evans. Thank, Thank you, you, Salah. Too. Thank you. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, it's, you know. Thank you, Salah. <laughs> Well, let's do. Um, let's check on our pothole situation. Our pothole situation, indeed, in our potholes exhibition. You know, the National Road Safety Authority. Um, they are uh, indicating tonight that, despite mm-hmm. the significant reductions that they've seen in the tally of road accidents across the country, they are still uh, determined to do even more to minimise road casualties. But, but particularly, they're also concerned about the road, the potholes and the contributions that uh, they also you know, make to the crashes that we see on our roads. Well, I'll take you to Bokrum in Ashanti region where residents say the poor nature of the roads is causing serious accidents. Love FM Nana Yabwache has more. Here you go. Government serving us. In fact, drivers here with the best. One road, several potholes. But some things need to be said in terms A good number of roads in Ghana are left with dangerous potholes. Major road networks in Kumasi are no exception as the roads are inundated with deep secular depressions. Some motorists have experienced the damages that go beyond mechanical repairs in these craters. Before you can move straight from this particular stretch to wherever you are going, you must pass through this particular pit. The well-adorned road is now a death trap with praiseworthy traffic growth. Potholes have developed on this road. They refused to work on just this particular stretch. We've complained so much about the traffic over here. It is obvious that these potholes are fast developing into manholes, putting the lives of motorists and commuters at risk. But state institutions in charge of covering them up show up at work and do nothing about it. To some of these road users, this is a life-threatening pit. Almost there three months, number two accidents. I came across an accident almost a month ago. As government institutions yawn on patching up the holes, some residents feel the riddled bitumen with debris to lessen the impact of vehicles slumping into holes. Sometimes they attempt to fill these holes with just anything, sometimes with coconut husk. I started using this road around 1994. This is a busy road, but government isn't ready to fix it for us. We, the drivers, could fix it ourselves. This is very disheartening. The rains, however, washed away the debris, and with a few more slums into the small holes, the bitumen cheeps at the edges and become deep holes. 
As these potholes continue to widen, water seeps into the weakened underlying soil as the heavy vehicular load fatigue the poorly asphalted surface. That's Nana Boachi Yadom's report from Wokroom. Well, we've been hearing from the Ashanti Regional Director of Urban Roads, um, Francis Gambra, and he's been telling Love FM's David Akwete that rehabilitation works on potholed riddled roads will commence in a month's time. But we can now hear from the Director of Regulation, Inspection and Compliance at the National Road Safety Authority, Kwame Kudriyotu Yahine, who says plans are afoot to make roads safer across the country. When those gaps exist, then the evidence is that there's still work to be done and we must figure out how to fix those, those lapses. And that's what we're planning to do at present. But otherwise, on the evidence of the data, even though we are not at the level where we can be very comfortable, we are beginning to see some action and it gives us some reason to reflect on what is being done right in order for us to intensify the efforts mm-hmm. to be able to have bigger wins. It's a first day, so it's time to focus on technology. And um, tonight we are focusing on Michael Kome of the KNUST. Uh, he's a technology consultant. Um, he's leading that uh, technology consultant center, UNESCO Category 2, Center of Excellence. And he's a pioneer of the plastic waste to fuel in Ghana. We put the spotlight on him. Love FM's Chrissy Debra has been interacting with him. I first saw an article video of a lady, Letra. Uh, in India, who's making, uh, you know, turning passes to diesel um, fuel. And uh, at that time, she was earning like 20 million a year just by selling to, to Pragya. You know, India has a lot of Pragyas, so that's, that's what she was doing. So when I, when I started my research, uh, you know, with the plastics, uh, no, no, with the, with the um, water filter membranes. And then doing cook stores and all those things. This idea was lingering on. So what kickstarted the whole thing was more of out of annoyance of why Ghanaian scientists, researchers, professors are not able to solve the problem. And we're, we're just talking about a problem and giving some interesting solutions, which were for me. So I started with um, a little team, did a small paralysis, some things, and then that, 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 that is what happened. So that's um, it for Environment Week, focusing on Tech Thursday. But let's do National Science and Mass Quiz now. Well, it's, uh, as you know, a, a painful defeat uh, for Adisado College. Oh, Adisco, <laughs> residents of uh, Atiringswa Senior High School had to bow out of the... I was hoping that it's the school that oh, beat. Oh, no. Shame <laughs> on you. <laughs> had to bow out of the 2022 National Science and Mass Quiz after scoring one point at the prelims. Uh, but guess what? They are back in the national championship bowing to avenge that painful loss. Well, they tell my colleague, Emmanuel Baikweku, they are ready to defeat the Zebra Boys at the national competition after winning their contest. And God has last week, lightweight. Tell them that we are coming this time around. We should tell Adisco, tell them we are coming this time around and we are not coming to joke over there. This time around, it's not lightweight. We have invested in us. So we are not big weights. We are coming. Tell them. We are coming to abuse them with Charles. If they don't know Charles abuse, we are coming. Our message to Adisco is that this year, they are not going to find it easy. We are coming with Charles race. They should expect us. We are coming for a revenge. 
We want them in the same contest on one eight. We will show them that Adrian Sada. Uh, so that's um, the national science and mass quiz and thankfully they will just have to be uh, focusing on uh, you know quiz because um, there will be no pillow fights and uh, tug of war are the basic and um, uh, secondary school to it, you were oh, after the public backlash uh, the GES has backtracked on that they've actually written we've seen the memo that they've written to the Ghana tug of war and pillow fight federation asking them um, to step down they are not going to do that anymore mm. You know, throughout the week, we've been remembering Professor Amata Edu. Uh, we bring you extras from her piece, an angry letter in January, a creative masterpiece. We speak vehemently against discrimination, racism, and inequality at large, read by A's Ghanaian filmmaker Kofa Ejian. And that's it on Newsnight tonight. Dear bank manager, I've received your letter. Thank you very much. Threats, intimidations, and all. So what if you won't give me a loan of 2000 or only conditioned by special rules and regulations because I'm not white, male, or a commercial farmer? In relation to the letter, whose land is this anyway? I know that for what I'm not, you could have signed away two solid millions and not too many questions asked. Of course I'm angry. Wouldn't you be if you were me? Reading what you had written was enough to spoil for me all remaining 11 months of the year plus a half. But I won't let it. I had even thought of asking God that the next time round, he makes me white, male, and a commercial farmer. But I won't. Since apart from the great poverty and the petty discriminations, I have been very happy being me, an African, a woman, and a writer. Just take your racism, your sexism, and your pragmatism of me. Overt, covert, or internalize. And damn you. And that's how we wrap up tonight's edition of News Night. There's more when you log on to myjoyonline.com. And we have the latest MP, the freshest MP in town. Uh, the Kumeu MP is our guest on Personality Profile with Lexus Bill. Please stay on. Oh, record.